So we're going to continue last week's message. And we're going to talk about what it is to have vision. Last week we, we, we talked about this is the day. Right? And, and, and we, we talked from scripture that said not only is when the psalmist write this is the day, man, a, a period of time between sunrise and sunset, but it was, always a, it was also considered in Hebrew a period of time, not necessarily chronologically limited by a day, but a period of time that was distinguished by God's favor. And we kind of talked about, you know, what I felt as a pastor that, that this year is an exciting time for our church. This year, we lean in and, and have great anticipation for God's blessing to be poured out. And we, we reviewed last, last few years of what God has done. And I was shocked that I was like, oh man, I've been here, I'm, I'm, I'm going on year five. Like, wow, time flies. But in those first four years, all that God has done, that we have, we have launched two congregations, and so we're three congregations, two locations. We have uh, a growing uh, Sunday school department where we got just a ton of kids and, and, and we're excited. Right, and then I thought, okay, but what about you guys? What about me? Right, because when we talk generically, we're able to kind of sit back and, and, and disassociate ourselves from a promise or a vision. And this morning I want to talk about us, about you. In the context of God's favor. And in the context of what does it look like to pursue and to seize hold of something that God's promised. Something that we don't deserve. Something that we can't earn. And yet, in my opinion, God gives directions to. And some of us, man, if you're like me, directions and you don't really mix. Right, have you ever, ladies... Wives, just, we'll, we'll shrink this down really quick. Just go ask somebody where we're at. <laughs> the funnier part one is, what about the one that when the guy walks in the gas station to ask, and then gets back in the car and argues about it? <laughs> but directions are trippy, right? I mean, so as a, I got a call two years ago, and it was some of the best news I, I've ever received. Like, Dad, we're pregnant. Like, oh, awesome. Can we build a crib? Like, yeah. Because of my background in cabinet making and furniture making, I was like, seriously, we get to build my granddaughter a crib? Yeah. And I was like, okay, find a set of plans. To a cabinet maker, to a furniture maker, a set of plans saves so many problems. If you've ever had to build something, I'll just talk to you from a, from a furniture standpoint. There's a certain cadence and a certain way things come together. Right? If you glue the wrong piece up, before you glue the other piece up, you pull them together and you're like, oh, i got to tear this apart now. And you yell and scream at the wood. But the reality is it's because you didn't either follow a set of directions or you didn't have the full picture of what it required. So Josh found this amazing set of plans. We bought it. I looked at it. There's only a couple mistakes. And we were able to build off of something that would make it easy. We even hit the birth date. Right? We had, a, we had the, the crib done, finished, 
wrapped up before her baby shower. I was like, oh, we're good. We're awesome. And I even went back a, a month ago, and I, I, I just like, hey, did it fall apart? Because, you know, I'm out of practice. I have a day job now. So I was wondering, like, if I, if I built it right, and if I didn't just mess up and fall apart. And I looked at it, and it's like, oh, it's still together, and it's still sturdy. And I looked closer at the top rail, and I'm like, is the finish failing because there's all these scratches? And I go, oh, I got to go and take it and sand it all down and get it shot again. And he goes, oh, no, 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 and that's, that's Gemma Non on it. <laughs> like, how cool is that? To have that something that you made a giant teething ring for your granddaughter. I'm like, that's, that's, that's awesome. Well, about four months ago, the phone rang again. Hey, Dad, you're going to be a grandpa again. Oh, that's so cool. I'm kind of getting used to girls now, you know. I, like, I have boys, have brothers. And like, now I have this little thing that wraps the entire family around her finger and marches us all over. And so I'm kind of getting used to that. And he goes, we need to build another crib. We don't need to build another crib. Use the crib that you got. And he was like, no. Like, what do you mean, no? She, I mean, it's like a year's worth of work for a year's worth of sleep. Put her in the other one. No. Like, Josh, why do you need two cribs? Because because I want to give each one their own crib so when they have a family, they can put their own child in it. Like, <laughs> how do you even argue that? Right? I mean, it's like, oh, I don't even know what to say. Made me want to puke, it was so sweet. And, <laughs> and this time he goes, I go, well, find a set of plans. He goes, I found a picture. Cursed be Pinterest. <laughs> so my son, who's a muscle-bound muscle head, goes on Pinterest and finds this crib in a picture. I'm like, well, Josh, do you have any dimensions? No. Do you have any directions? No. Do you have more than one picture that takes the face of it? No. I was like, okay. So we got there and we had to come up with a set of plans. And then we had to figure out the cadence of the build. And it is so much harder. And, and all that we're doing is we're looking on our phone going, oh, it looks curved. You know, because my son can't pick anything straight, so now we're bending wood. And I'm like, well, we have no idea about the height or the width or the size or the scope or the wood or anything. And then he's like, and then I'm stupid. I'm like, well, hey, let's this one. Let's put a carving in it. Because, you know, I have nothing to do. We'll just, we'll build a crib off of a Pinterest picture and put a whale carving in the middle of it because they like oceans. And I was like, what am I doing? Why can't we just find something with some directions? I can meet the date then. Right? I, can, I can have the thing built before the little one comes into our world. I can even probably hit the next second baby shower. I can do this but not without directions. And I thought, well, I'll call the mom. Hey, Mickey, can you push the delivery date back a month? 
she looked at me. You know, and I, I think the, the look that basically said is like, hey, Dave, why don't you swallow a basketball and keep it there for a month and a half? <laughs> I love building. Right? It's what I've done for most of my life. I, I, love, I love furniture. I love everything about doing that. And yet, because I've I spent most of my professional life in, in cabinet making and having to teach people and having to show people how to build, I also know the benefits of a good set of directions. And I also know the wealth and the worth of a great set of plans. You see, you and I can look at a, pitch, a picture of a piece of furniture and look at a picture of a, of a room that's decorated well and we go, wow, that's awesome. But without knowing the type of wood or the color scheme or the dimensions and everything, everything's a guesswork. And if you've ever had to build off guesses, man, it gets painful. It costs more, it takes more time, and half the time you build one thing to tear it apart and go, okay, well, that didn't work, we'll do it again. And for a boss of a cabinet shop, that was the worst thing ever. And so we spent so much time creating a set of directions to build what was, was meant. This morning I want to talk about directions. There's no better set of directions for life than Scripture. Right, scripture is more than just a, a, a piece of literature, though in, in terms of literature, this is a phenomenal book. Scripture is, is more than just a historical accounting of the nation of Israel or the early church, though scholars will tell you that, that historically this becomes more and more accurate as archaeologists discover and we begin to pool our resources. But as a, as a set of directions for life, man, this is an amazing book. And, and what I mean by that is it gives us models and gives us ways of living that promise us to step into a season that is defined by his favor. And by that I mean going back to directions, right? If we are told we want to go to the Pacific Ocean, to Laguna Beach, and watch Dave dive because Dave wishes he could scuba again. We would go west. Now some of us would go, no, we're going to go east. And why are you going east? You're going to the Pacific Ocean. And we argue and argue about the set of directions that were given in this book or by people that have always been there. And the, 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 the value of directions is that they is usually made up of and made by someone who has already been there and done that. A good set of directions keeps you from making the stupid mistakes that the guy that initially had to figure out how to build something did to begin with. And anybody that had to discover how to build something, I can promise you, made just a ton of mistakes. So he wrote or she wrote a series of things down. So the second, third, and fourth time they built, they avoided everything that cost them money or time or effort or frustration. The Bible, Scripture, ordained by God himself, is written so that we don't have to perform all the stupid things that people went before us did. It's that simple. 
So there's a story, and one of the greatest stories of this is in Genesis, and it's a story of Noah. He said, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was on evil con continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him. And so the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created in the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of heavens, for I am sorry I had made them. That's a horrible circumstance to be in. Man, if you're at the time of Noah and you're part of mankind, you got like two and three-quarter strikes against you. God's disgusted with the circumstance that has been created by man's desire to just follow his own way. And that's really what generated Noah's response. It's just man going, ah, I got this figured out. And so they went left when God said right. And at the end of their journey, God looked at where they landed. He's like, man, I got to get rid of this. But, it, but the circumstance never defines nor limits God's ability to pour favor out on someone. Because in the midst of this, I'm going to blot them all out. Verse 8, Noah found favor in the eyes of God. If you know the story, God would give a set of directions to Noah to build a boat made out of gopher wood. And it's a giant boat. And, and we get wrapped up in the type of thing. And we never ask how. You see, Scripture's filled with men and women who were given a set of directions that seem odd to the person looking out and looking into it. Abraham, leave your father and mother and go to a land I'll show you where. I'm going to tell you, but you're not going to know. Just leave. He goes to Noah. You're going to be build this ark. And we dismiss the directions because they are specific to the situation. And yet what I would suggest to you that, that in every idea that God gave Noah a set of directions and Noah's responsibility was to be obedient. Simple as that. Obedience. The most difficult and the most freeing trait of a believer to be obedient to just follow and do what God said. To take this book and not dismiss out of it the things that he says, but to go, this is what he, what he says. I mean, in, in Psalms he writes, how blessed is the man you train. God, and the woman you instruct, providing a circle of quiet in the clamor of evil. While a jail is being built for the wicked, God will never walk away from his people. Never desert his precious people. The psalmist writes in 1611, you make known the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. And the pleasures of your right hand. So daily God tells us what to do. Not to rob us of something. Not to eliminate our joy. Not to make us look foolish in front of people, but to give us an opportunity to experience life that He intended us to experience. 
That, that's, it's, it's that simple. We, we want to complicate it because we want to make sure that everything he asks of us is legitimate. And there is a point in time where we test what God says and what other people say against his word. But the, how many times do we ask God when we know it's of him? We ask this, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure that's for me? Do I really need to do this or do that? I mean, if I was Noah and Noah said, and I was obedient to him, and he goes, hey, I want you to build a boat. The first words out of my mouth were not where I was going to get the wood. It was going to be like, are you sure? If I looked at Abraham and he goes, hey, I want you to leave everything that you find security in and go to a place I will show you later at some point in day. I'll go like, man, are you sure? If I look at the disciples, go and hang out in the upper room and wait for me. Are you sure? Are you sure that's for me? And yet, what is um, um, amazing is that God and his love through his Holy Spirit guides us daily. And we spend more time asking, are you sure? And simply following. There's a hilarious video that I found, and we'll see if it plays, but this reminded me a lot of me and a majority of my Christian life. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm sorry to bother you guys. You know how to get the sprout off? You guys know where UCLA is? I love this lady. We walk in different directions than what God points us to go to. And we do it for a lot of reasons. We do it because we're afraid of what someone will think. We, we do it because in the context of our culture, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to believe in something we can't measure. That we can't build a, a scientific case around. But God sets us in motion uh, and gives us an ability to follow his will so that we experience life that it was meant to be lived. And so when I say this is the day the Lord's made, it's also a day that he directs us in so that we can experience a, a, a moment in time defined by his favor. And yet we, we freak out about certain things. We look at this book and, and, and we talk about giving and tithing. And trust me, I see the eyeballs rolling in the back of my head because I used to do it. Like, I, pastor would oh, always talking about money. Always has to do something about money. And yet scripture says in Malachi, bring this, all the tithes in the storehouse. And the argument goes, well, that's old, old covenant, not new covenant. And we're under a new covenant. We don't have to do anything. So we look at the book of Acts. And we see acts where, where, where men are, and women gather and bring everything together. And God doesn't do that to run an organization, but God does that so that he can pour out his blessing on us. He gives us a set of directions and he says, go in this way and I will pour out these things. Give, Jesus says in Luke, and you will receive. 
Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. God wants us to live in a full life, and yet we get freaked out when the, the preacher talks about money, and he goes, go this way, and you experience this blessing, and yet we go this way. Why? Well, because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and we always want to go, are you sure? But to, so let's lay aside, everybody take a breath. We'll lay aside finances for a moment because it's like, uh, it's like bad. Talk about the elephant in the room. That's one of those elephants in the room. So we won't talk about that. We'll talk about the moment in time where we stay up at night freaked out about what our day is going to bring. The technical term is we are anxious about everything. We stand how many people have watched the alarm clock when it turns to two in the morning? Oh, that's the worst. And you're staring up and you've already counted all the cracks in the ceiling. Right? And you're tossing and turning. And, and like if it was me, my wife's like, are you okay? It's like, yeah, I'm always up at two in the morning staring up into black. <laughs> And I'm freaked out about my job, and I'm freaked out about my business, and I'm freaked out about my future, and I'm freaked out about my kids, and I'm freaked out about my marriage, and I'm freaked out about the church, and I'm freaked out about the world. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? It's 2.30, and my alarm's supposed to go off at 4. God, thank you for coffee. Now, what am I going to do? Scripture tells us to go right, but to pray. And we go like, oh, are you sure? No, that's kind of stupid. I mean, I need answers. I'll pray. Pray. And it says, God's peace will guard my heart. So I'm freaking out, and I'm going, what am I going to do on myself, God? Where are you at? And he goes, over here. Come talk to me. And what you'll discover is that you won't have to watch the clock turn to two because you'll fall asleep knowing that your life is in God's hands. And though you might not be able to correct everything, you lay it at the foot of a God who created everything. Are you sure? That one I'm sure. Of that I am absolutely positively sure that the direction God gives us is accurate. That when we wrap ourselves up in the anxiety that life brings in our relationships and the things that don't work out and the things that we can't control and we never turn to God and give them to Him and just talk to Him about them. Because that's what prayer is. And everything pray is to just go, God, I don't got a clue about this stuff. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this stuff. My life stinks right now. Now talk to me. And let my peace guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. You see, we rush to figure things out because we're trained to figure things out. Guys, we're famous for this. I'll just figure it out. I'll work harder. I'll put in more time. I'll hunker down. I'll run my head into the wall 300 times. 
I'll do whatever I need to do to figure it out. And God says, why don't we stop for just a moment and come talk to me? Follow my directions and I will lead you to a place that you want to be instead. Yes. We look at where we're at as a, as, a, as a tell for what God wants for us, and yet we know according to the Old and New Testament that our circumstances never define God's desire to bless us. And so we open up the book, and what does the book tell us? It says, we begin... Like, how do you pursue where God wants? How do we pursue this, this favor that he promises? Well, we pray. Not in a, and you've heard me say this because I'm so passionate about this. Because I think when we spiritualize and overthink prayer, we turn it into a ritual that separates the holy and righteous from just the average folk. And yet prayer is nothing more. And most amazing that we as human mortal people created can go before creator and have a conversation. And if the world thinks I'm crazy because I hear from God and God, I believe, talks to me, then I'm nuts. Cool. Great. Awesome. That's not the last person that will call me nuts. I would rather be considered insane because I believe in a God that so cares for humanity that he interjects himself in moments in history and he speaks to us. That he does not just create something and then walk away. That he is not just a force, but he is a personal, personal God who knows the very numbers of hair on our heads that we can go to him and talk. And they call that prayer. The first thing is just, how do I find this place? How do, I, how do I hear when I'm going left when he tells me to go right? And I go, okay, that's better. By the way, as a secondary note that we won't unpack, that idea of going this way and stopping and hearing God's voice and going this way is the core of repentance. Amen. It's turning back to God when I find myself on the East Coast when I want it to be on the West. So not only do we pray, we keep his word. Proverbs tells us, my child, never forget the things I taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Well, Dave, are you saying that we got to adhere to the law? We're under the new covenant. No, I'm saying follow the directions because it was written by the guy that wrote the book. Right, and he created us, and he's seen every stupid thing humanity's ever wanted to do, thought about doing, and did. And so he puts in print a set of directions that goes, hey, you know what? Love. Hey, you know what? Don't judge. Hey, why don't you pull the log out of your own eye before you bug the speck in your brother's eye? Hey, take care of the widow and the orphan. Hey, love people that aren't like you. All that stuff is in the front half of that book. So we follow his words and then we seek his wisdom. Whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. 
It says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of God is not a trepidation that somehow if I step before holy God, he's going to nuke me because I know upon profession of faith in Jesus, I have free access to God the Father. But it is an understanding that he's not just my buddy that I get to hang out with on Thursday. He's eternal, holy, righteous God who made all this stuff. And yet, because he made all this stuff, he still yearns to be in relationship with us. And because he yearns to be in relationship with us, he sent his son to die for us. And so he sent his son to die for us. And upon my profession, I can stand before holy, righteous God and be blameless in his eyes, not because I am, because you all know me, I'm not, but because of the work that Christ did. So I can stand before him and kind of get nervous, but then I can hear the voice of the Father say, Come. So not only do we seek his wisdom, it says we, we diligently do good. If you search for good, you will find favor, Proverbs eleven twenty seven tells us. But if you search for evil, it will find you. How many know that's true? How'd I end up there? Well, we went left. And that don't seem right. <laughs> I got four minutes, I'll tell you an inappropriate story. Um, I used to, the people that I used to hire, you could set a clock by there was a group of people that we would, we would pay on Thursday and they would always be sick on Friday without, without fail. And what that means, that the, the, the case of beer that they bought on Thursday night with that check, they had a tendency to drink the whole case on Thursday night and they would call me, dude, I'm sick. I go, dude, you're not sick. You're hungover. Oh, Dave, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. He drank a case of beer. Whoa! If you, if you turn this way and you find yourself in a pigsty, it's normally because we opened up the gate ourselves. And that goes with everything, man. That goes with relationships. That goes with friendships. That goes with everything. We surround ourselves with people that drag us this way. And God's going, hey, see good? Oh, why are you ruining my life, man? I'm not ruining your life. I'm just saving you from a hangover. Amen. That's it. If we try this side, this side is filled with richness and grace and his mercy. And it's a whole lot of fun. Yes. And you don't need Advil. <laughs> so sorry, a little bit too real. But every once in a while I, I, I go there and finally... So not only do we pray, not only do we keep his commandments, not only do we seek God's wisdom, not only do we do good, but we do live righteously. Proverbs tells us fools make fun of guilt. How appropriate is that? But the godly acknowledge it and seek reconciliation. I've had more fools in my life than I care to count. And I love them. Don't get me wrong. But when I listen to a fool, 
I am convinced that what I know is wrong is right. And even if I know that it is wrong, I can ignore it because ah, guilt's just stupid, man. That's a construct of your mind. Relax. Go have fun. Just chill. And what you find when you go this way far enough, you go so far away that you forget even where you're at. And you wind up in a dark, and normally when your friends lead you this far away from where they intend you to be, they leave you. I've never seen somebody stay with you when you're in a ditch. I'll tell you, especially if they had room to push you there. And we're not victims in our own choices. I'm not saying that. Own our stuff. What I am saying is that God desires us to be here. And so if we're over there, all that we have to do is turn and start moving this way. There is no secret to this. There is no special dance. There is no special clothes. There is no special words. All that it is is the acknowledgement like, oh man, I am here. I need to seek righteousness. I need to live this way. I need to follow this direction because this over here is just flat better. Well, I want to experience God's favor and why isn't God so mean and why does he ignore me well because i'm in a ditch that i went to that i sat in that i bathed in like god why aren't you here because i want you to be over here i'll come get you but i'm sure not going to leave you there so today is the day defined by his favor all that we got to do is just follow his directions a bit not get consumed by law, but just like me when I have to build something. I want to build something off of a set of plans that a guy already did. I don't want to have to invent things. I don't want to have to stumble through life trying to figure out what goes together first or second or third. There is a cadence to life that holds within us the promise of richness and grace and mercy and forgiveness and love and acceptance. All that we got to do is head that way. So this week, when you're doing whatever you do, stop for a moment and listen. Holy Spirit will speak to you going, eh, maybe not. And when he says, ah, maybe not, have the courage enough to listen. And then have the courage enough to go, well, where do I need to be? And I promise you, he'll speak to you. And then find out where you are in, in relation to where you would be if you went to your own advices. And then celebrate his goodness that God speaks today. Yes. Amen? Why don't we stand?